to look at Psalm 120 through 134. Those 15 psalms, you will notice in your Bible, above each of those psalms, they form a group within the book of Psalms called the Psalms of Ascents. Why are they called the Psalms of Ascents? Well, first of all, let's talk a little bit about the word ascents. It literally comes from a word that means to go up. It speaks about a climactic progression, to go up in elevation. And the reason they were called psalms or songs of ascents is because these psalms were sung by the pilgrim travelers from all over the nation of Israel who three times a year would travel to Jerusalem during the spring for the Passover, early summer for Pentecost, and then fall for the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, the reason they were called the Ascent Psalms, or the Going Up Psalms, or the Climactic Progression Psalms, is because from everywhere in Israel, from a topographical standpoint, you would always go up to be in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the high point. It was the high point physically, and obviously it was to be the high point spiritually speaking as well. And that's one of the things that we're going to see throughout our study of these 15 psalms. So a couple things. First of all, before we get into this psalm, Psalm 120, the first psalm we're going to look at in this series of 15 tonight, I'd like to, for us to take a step back, if you will, and let's look at the big picture for a moment of all of these 15 psalms. A couple things about the entire group. First of all, these psalms remind us that worship, because that's what these psalms are, they are sort of the, the traveler's or pilgrim's hymnal, if you will. They are their sort of chorus book that they would sing along the way to Jerusalem. So a couple things from that. First of all, it reminds us then that our worship of God, our praise of God, our acknowledgement of God, our confession of God, is not just something that should happen at the house of God. Because they're on their way. They haven't got there yet, but they're worshiping and praising God. So it reminds us of a principle that's found throughout the Bible, and that is that worship is to be a lifestyle. It's not something that you and I as Christians are just to do when we show up at church on Wednesday night or on Sunday morning or whatever. It's to be something that we do all the time. And then when we come together as God's people on, say, Wednesday night or Sunday morning, then our worship together is just to be an overflow of our worship throughout the week. Hopefully that's something that you're growing in and becoming maybe a little bit more intentional about. There have been a lot of definitions, too, for worship. Because obviously worship covers more than just singing and praising, although that's a 
big part of it. I want to give you a very simplistic definition of worship. It's the Jeff Royce definition, which is always simplistic. I believe that worship is any demonstration in, by our lips and by our life that God is our greatest treasure. That's what worship is. Worship is any demonstration with our lips and with our life that God is our greatest treasure. So, the first thing as we step back to observe all 15 of these psalms together, and you'll notice if if you have a Bible that at least in the net version that I use, above every one of these last psalms from Psalm 120 through Psalm 134, it says at the heading, a psalm or a song of ascent. So, that's the first thing. The second thing you'll note then about these psalms is that even though we can be worshipers of God individually on our own, there is something special in the dynamic of us coming together as believers and worshiping Him together. Because that's exactly what these songs were all about. These songs were not written, if you will, and used at times where, you know, people were by themselves, although they could. But these were very intentional to be used whenever you know, followers of Jehovah would gather and be on the roads to Jerusalem. So obviously, you could see it. I mean, picture it in your mind. All over Israel, there's all these groups of followers of Jehovah getting together, and they're headed toward Jerusalem. And and they'll hook up on the, the road or whatever, and they'll just start singing and praising God with the words of these songs. God really loves... It, when we not only worship Him and praise Him and sing to Him and all of that on our own, but when we come together and we lift up our voices together in praise to Him. That's special to God. In fact, I just want to say that worship on Sunday was amazing, but that last song, without instruments, when I could literally hear all of your voices out there in the auditorium, I will exalt thee. That gave me chills hearing that. And God loves that. He loves to hear His people come together and praise Him. So that's another thing that we learn, if you will, from these 15 psalms. The other thing is this. These songs of ascent are traveler songs, pilgrim. In other words, they're not stationary, they're moving. They're on their way from their homes all over Israel to Jerusalem. And this is not only then a physical thing, but it is to give us a a spiritual picture as well. It is to remind us, and that's one of the things we're going to learn from all these psalms, is that you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ in this day and age, are to remind ourselves that we are just sojourners. We are pilgrims who are simply passing through this life on our way to our real homeland. In fact, we're going to talk about that on Sunday. See, this is not our home. This is not our permanent residence. In fact, that's why the Bible says of Christians we're sort of aliens. This this is not 
where we belong on a permanent basis. Now, that doesn't mean that it, that it takes away the relevancy and, 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 you know, that, I don't want to say it, that it, it minimizes our earthly life. No. But what it is saying is hold loosely to the things of earth and to our earthly life because everything around us is not going to endure. We're on our way to heaven. And Paul says in Philippians 3.20, our citizenship as Christians is in heaven. And Paul tells the Colossians in Colossians 3 that we should be setting our affection on things above, not things on the earth. Which is why Jesus kept urging His followers, lay up treasure in heaven, invest in eternal things, because this should not be something that you hold too tightly. Hold the things of earth and earthly things very loosely in your life because we're traveling through on our way to our permanent homeland. And that's another aspect of what these psalms are all about. And then one other thing. Again, though physically, literally, the psalm of ascent to go up in elevation, to go up, to ascend, has a physical component to it. Again, no matter where you were coming from Israel, you would go up to Jerusalem. But there's also a spiritual picture here in application for us too. And that is as you and I learn to worship the Lord and live a lifestyle of worship, we are lifted up. We go up. There's a a progression of going up in our relationship to God as we grow in our worship of God. As we learn to acknowledge Him and confess Him as these people were learning, as we learn to turn to Him and make Him the very priority of our life, there is then a going up for us spiritually as well as physically. And so I hope over the next 15 weeks that as we study these great Psalms, that we will gain some insight into our pilgrimage, into worship, into our spiritual growth, and many different aspects that are pointed out in these psalms. One more thing, and then we'll actually get into Psalm 120 tonight. If I were to choose, or have chosen, a first psalm to sort of introduce a new series about, it would have not been this one. If you've read Psalm 120, it's a downer. It's a dower Psalm. I mean, this guy or gal, they're they're in the pits. But then God reminded me as I meditated and as I prayed and as I studied that that's a good thing. Because we're not always up. We're not always on top of everything. Sometimes that's exactly where we are. And in our worship, we have to learn that that's true as well. In fact, if we were going to categorize this psalm, this would be a blues psalm. He's singing or she's singing the blues. It's sort of like taking a musical metaphor. It's a downbeat rather than an upbeat. Now, we're going to see 
there are some psalms in these 15 that are upbeat rather than downbeat. And what God is saying and was sort of pointing out to me is you can't have all one thing. There's got to be a balance to our songs and to our worship. It's one of the things I appreciate about Nicole and our worship here at the... We don't have just one style of... We only do these kind of worship songs. It's just upbeat and fast. No. We do some fast. We do some slow. We do some that are reflective. We do some that are declarative. And God is saying to us here, even in these 15... That's okay. It's, it's good to have variety, if you will, in our worship. Because not all of these songs sort of come across the same. And this is certainly one that starts out, if you will, on a downbeat. But there's some great things that we can learn from this song. I'd just like you to follow with me as I read these seven verses. Because all of these psalms, pretty much all 15 really aren't that long. The psalmist starts out, In my distress, I cried out to the Lord, and He answered me. In fact, if I was to title this psalm, my title for it would be, I cried, and He answered. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. I said, O Lord, rescue me from those who lie with their lips, those who deceive me with their tongue. How will he severely punish you, you deceptive talker? Here's how with the sharp arrows of warriors, with arrowheads forged over the hot coals. How miserable I am. For I have lived temporarily in Meshech, and I have resided among the tents of Kedar. For far too long I have had to reside with those who hate peace. I'm committed to peace. But when I speak, they want to make war. Again, let me just give a little bit of an overview and then we'll get a little bit specific here. They're miserable. The psalmist is miserable. Literally in the Hebrew, it's woe is me. And here's a couple reasons why. If you followed as I read, part of why the psalmist is so miserable is because he's beaten down. She's beaten down. They're they're weary from the rising antagonism of the people that they have to do life with in this world. You and I can identify with that. Don't we, as we go out there in the world, whether it's to work or in our neighborhoods or whatever, when we're around those that especially maybe, you know, don't share our view of Jesus Christ that we do, it can be pretty hard. I mean, Jesus even said, don't be surprised if the world hates you. It hated me before it hated you. And just in living life, I mean, you'll notice there that the psalmist talks a lot about even the words the lies and the deception and the slander and the verbal attacks. And again, you and I have been there at times in our life where we have felt attacked by other human beings. The Bible talks about this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and how hurtful words can be to us. 
And part of what we have here then, and you and I can so identify with this, is one of the reasons why this psalmist is so down, if you will, and dour at this point is because they feel beaten up by some of those around them. They've been hurt by the words of others. Again, that rising antagonism towards them is hurtful. In fact, they say here at the very end of the psalm, all I wanted was to try to build peace, and literally the word means friendship with these people. All they want is war. Every time I open up my mouth, they want to pick a fight with me. They want to battle, and all I want to do is live in peace. I mean, you, you can feel that. We've been there before. I think that's why Paul says to the Romans, I believe it's Romans 12, 18, if possible, so much as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all men. Yeah, Romans 12, 18. Sorry, I had to pull that up in my mind. God just gave me the ability years ago to be able to take pictures of pages in the Bible and then pull them up. I take no credit for that. But you can see here, it didn't matter how much they tried to be at peace, all the people around them wanted was fights. And after a while, it wears on you. So that's, that's one of the reasons why this psalmist is in such a sad state. But the second reason why they are in such a bad state is because they have been away from the house of God and the people of God for far too long. Remember, they say, we've lived here and we've lived there and we've been away from God's house and God's people. And we feel very drained and we need to get back there and we need to get around people of like mind and we need to be around other believers and we need to get to the house of God and be refreshed and be recharged because we are beaten down in our life. I don't know about you, but I, I can identify with that. I'll be honest. that Obviously, when we get our own building built so that these folks won't have to do so much tear down and set up, we won't take a month off from Wednesdays. Because I can tell you that from Sunday, when I leave you all, till Wednesday night when we get back, I can't wait to be back here with you all to be led in worship by Nicole, to be in the Word again. I can't wait to get back to that. And then come Wednesday's gone, I can't wait for Sunday. I don't know how Christians do it that just go weeks and weeks and weeks without being together with their brothers and sisters in Christ and being in the house of God. I know how I feel. I long to be there. I miss it. I miss you all. And that's where this person is. Whoever they are. By the way, I failed to mention in the introduction, out of these 15 psalms, 10 of them, like this one, are anonymous. We don't know who the author is. Four of them were written by David, and one of them was written by Solomon. In fact, for information's sake, let me give you those. Solomon wrote 127. David wrote 122, 124, 131, and 133. And you can probably see those at the top of 
your Bible. So ten are anonymous. Four were written by David and one by Solomon. And this is obviously an anonymous author. We don't know who the author is. But we know two very important things. The reason why they're miserable, why they're down, is because they're beat up. And why are they feeling that way? Because they're living in the world. And they're living around a bunch of people that just wear on them after a while and beat them down and beat them up. And then secondly, they haven't been in the house of God for a while. Now, obviously. Where can we and should we be able to find relief and refreshment? By going to the house of God and being with the people of God. And that's why this song was the very first one in the pilgrim hymnal, if you will, as they were on their way to Jerusalem. Because it was sort of reminding them of why they were traveling the distance that they were, in the conditions that they were, under the conditions that they were, in order to get to Jerusalem. See, unlike us, who even on Sunday and Wednesday, get in our car, travel a few moments to get here, these folks, literally most of them would walk the distance. Many of them didn't even ride on beasts of burden. Many of them walked the distance from where they lived to Jerusalem. And the roads weren't that good. And as we're going to see next week when we talk about the God who is our help, there was a lot of dangers in travel, just like maybe we would say today. When they would look up at those mountains and stuff, they knew that there could be people who were robbers, murderers and everything waiting for them along the way. So they were like, God, please protect us as we travel to Jerusalem. So there was a lot of things that they were contending with, but yet nothing was going to keep these people from getting to the Lord's house and experiencing His presence there in His house with His people. Because for far too long they had been away and they knew that they needed to get back and experience that corporate worship of God. Being with people that they knew, we believe the same things. We worship the same God. And we are here to lift up our God and to lift up one another as well. So, in a sense, the remedy that is given here in this psalm for the circumstances that the psalmist finds himself in is turning to the Lord's house and being with God's people. That's a great reminder to us. If you know of somebody that feels beaten up and beaten down and discouraged, encourage them to get to the Lord's house and get around God's people. And that's part of the reason, too, why not only here at the Oasis, but every local church should be an oasis, literally. It should be a place where when people come out of their life, where life can be really hard and stuff at times, that they feel like they can come to a local church where they can be refreshed and encouraged and strengthened and comforted, where they can see their friends 
where they can express affection to one another. It is so important. Having my Bible open when I go out sometimes and study affords myself many openings to have conversations with people. And this afternoon, in between appointments, I was at a coffee shop here in the East Valley and obviously had my Bible open and was collecting my thoughts. And this young gal was sitting across from me and I saw that she had her Bible open. And, you know, she I could tell she was in her early 20s and even if she wouldn't have been, she could have been 70 years old, it wouldn't have mattered. I really, when I see some other believer out there into their Bible, I always want to try to encourage them. So I just said, excuse me. I said, I just, I just want to encourage you. It, it's so encouraging to me to see you studying the Word like you are. And of course, then she said to me, well, it's encouraging to me to see you, you know, in the Word. And then I told her, you know, who I was and all of that. And she was sharing with me that she's getting ready to move back up to Grand Canyon University, that she's been here in the East Valley at her mom and dad's house this summer, but she's getting ready to go back up and all of that. And yet it was very sad as I talked to her, I came to realize she said, I really don't have a church home though. I I don't have any place that I really call home. She says, I've been around the different churches in the East Valley. She said, I haven't come to the Oasis yet, so maybe when I come back, I'll, I'll visit you. But she said, I just don't really have a place that I can call a home church. So I encourage her. I said, well, I'll be praying for you, and I hope you can find that. Because I think it's invaluable for us as believers in Christ to feel like there's a place where we do belong on this earth. That even though this earth is not ultimately the place where we belong, that there is a place, there is a refuge. There's a place where we can have respite from all the other stuff and where we can come. And even like Nicole was sharing tonight, where we can feel loved on by God and and where we can be wrapped up in His love and where we can remind ourselves of who He is and, and where we can remind ourselves of what He is and leave encouraged. So that's one thing. But the other thing that the psalmist does about his situation is found in verse 1. He says, in my distress. Very interesting word. It means trouble, but it literally means tightness or a constricted place. He, He or she is saying, I feel like the walls are closing in on me. Or look at it this way, picture the boa constrictor that just keeps sort of wrapping itself tighter and tighter and tighter around you, squeezing the life out of you. That's what the psalmist says they're feeling like. I'm in distress. And again, we can all identify with that. We've all been at times in our life where whatever is going on in life, we feel like everything's closing in on us. It's getting tighter and tighter and tighter. Yet, what do they do? They do something very important in that moment. Not only are they going to head towards the Lord's house and be with God's people, they cry out to the Lord in prayer. That is so important that we learn to turn to the Lord at any time, in every situation. 
See, one of the things I love about this psalmist, if you'll notice again in verse 5, is when they say how miserable I am, is the psalmist doesn't try and project a false sense of happiness or joy in their life. They are a soul that is spiritually discouraged. And God appreciates our honesty and, and transparency before Him. Even Peter said, in 1 Peter, he says, I understand that the people I'm writing to, you are in heaviness through manifold trials right now that you're going through. Heaviness. We don't always feel yippee. But even in those moments... God is just as real and just as there for us. And whether we are high or whether we are low, we know that we can come to Him and we can cry out to Him. And then, I love this, and He answered. He responded, the psalmist says. In fact, these words speak about God always paying attention to us. Not just when we cry out to Him, but He is noticing us at all times. If his eye is always on the sparrow, then it's obviously always on his children as well. God pays attention to you. I want you to know that tonight. Again, we may be at times in our life where we think, God, where are you? Do you not see what's going on with me? Don't you pay attention? And God's like, oh, I've been paying attention. I'm right here. I'm right here. Turn to me. Cry out to me. I'll respond. I'll answer. I'll commune with you. And now that you have acknowledged that you're not in a very good place, keep talking to me and head towards the Lord's house and be in that house with my people. Two great sort of remedies, if you will, are given to us in this psalm when we find ourselves in that very same place in our life. Just like the psalmist. When we have been beat up and beat down. When we have maybe been attacked verbally and put down by others. It's hard at times. It hurts. God says, in those times when you're hurting, Cry out to me. I'm paying attention. I'll respond. I will answer. And don't try to go it alone. God says, you, you have me, but make sure you have a couple other brothers and sisters in your life that they can come alongside of you too, just like the travelers did here as they were on their way to Jerusalem. Reminding each other about the God that they worship. And being encouraged by others. Because too often, we can sort of get to a bad place and just sort of sit there isolated from everyone. And that doesn't help us at all. God is saying through the words of this psalm, life isn't always an upbeat. Life at times can be a downbeat. And there are times where if we are honest and transparent, we're pretty miserable. 
we are in a state of spiritual discouragement like the psalmist, then that psalmist would tell us to do two things. One, in that moment, in those moments, cry out to the Lord. He's always there. He will always respond in some way. And make sure you don't keep yourself too long away from the house of the Lord and other Christians around you who may be able to come alongside of you, put their arm around you, and encourage you in some way. This is the very first in the series of these great traveler or pilgrim songs as we move through this section of the book of Psalms. Probably Psalm 121, the psalm that we will look at next week, is probably the most familiar of all the traveler's psalms. So I hope you'll come back next week and maybe even invite somebody to come with you because next week we're going to talk about the God who is my help. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful that you receive us, you minister to us, you are there for us, not only when we're up and happy and joyful and everything's going well in our life, but Lord, when we are at our lowest, when we're struggling, when we're down, disheartened. God, I'm so thankful for that. Because here on earth, living in this world, after a while we can feel that way. Those around us may hurt us with words or their actions. As much as we try to live at peace with certain people, they just keep wanting to pick fights and make war. And that kind of environment can weary the soul. So God, we are so thankful that we have You to always call out to. Help us to remember to pray always and turn to You. And yet, God, also we are reminded in these great Psalms not to take for granted being able to come to the Lord's house and being with the Lord's people. That there's something very special about gathering together and coming together as one and lifting up our voices and worshiping You and being taught from You, God. You love that when you look down and see Your people coming from all of our homes and gathering together in one place. And so, God, I pray that we will continue to make that a priority in our life. And that we will continue to make prayer to you a priority as well. God, as we go through these upbeat psalms and downbeat psalms, these songs of the pilgrim caravans, God, use them in our life to draw us closer to you and closer to one another. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, thanks for being here. Hope to see you next week.